It's the Auburn Observer Podcast, the weekend edition, the recap edition, and man, what a game we have to recap, question mark. Um, Auburn wins 14-10 over Cal. The way it happened and how it got there, uh, man, I mean, just one that I'm not going to forget for a very long time, and I'm sure you won't either. Um, but let's uh, let's get to it. Uh, Justin Ferguson here in... Oh man, we're from Fremont, California. I think is where I am technically right now. Um, here on the here in the East Bay, uh, recording this on Sunday morning before flying back to to Auburn here in a, or Atlanta here in a few hours. And um, yeah, I, I survived. Uh, late kicks, man. Like it, I know it was late for y'all. Every one of y'all who are listening to this, unless you're, I, I'll even say this: even if you're on the West Coast, it's a late kick. I mean, this thing, this thing kicked off local time at about like nearly seven forty-five when it got when I got actually going. So unless you live in Hawaii or another country, I know we've got a few listeners uh, from uh, from international markets. Um, yeah, bless you. This was this was a I'm sure this was a, a wild one to try to get through. Dan Peck, uh, are you, Dan Peck, where are you at this point? Because I know you were, I know you got to take in Alabama, Texas last night. I am back in Auburn. I was okay. uh, I I was able to uh, thanks to uh, the the fortune of a, a good buddy, I was able to uh, snag a uh, you know was, I was I was up I was up there. It's been a long time since I was at Bryant Denny, but um, yeah, I, I had a uh, had a seat for for Bama Texas. It was we can we can talk a little bit about that if you want later on. But yeah, I was able to check out that one and and take in the sights and sounds of a huge game day weekend in Tuscaloosa. I felt like I crossed the Iron Curtain. Right, like I was on the, I was on the other side of the the Cold War or something, and I'm I'm not gonna defect. I'm I'm sticking with I'm sticking with my current arrangement. But no, it was, it was a uh, it was a sight to see, uh, for sure. And yeah, you know, and and then and then the game started, right? And then and that yeah. that's that's some that's that was something else in the, in Tuscaloosa. But I was I was able to watch uh, the whole Auburn game uh, over the uh, over the last uh, over the last twelve hours at some point. So it's uh, yeah, I'm re- ready to break this one down too. And then, of course, on the ones and twos, Painter Sharpless coming to you from a remote location, an undisclosed location, underground bunker where the government can't get to him. Uh, Painter, how are you feeling this morning? The most pressing issue on my mind is how tall is ESPN play-by-play man Dave Fleming? Because he was standing next to Brock Osweiler in the booth. And if I remember correctly, actually, I know this because Christian Clemente sent me a screenshot of his wiki page. Osweiler's six seven, and Fleming is holding his own here, which leads me to believe two things: Fleming is either also quite tall, or he's standing on a box. I don't know the answer to this one. He looks like Philip Rivers. Fleming does because watching the two of them, watching the two of them talk, I think I think Fleming has a real, real Philip Rivers thing going in the face, and uh, and and seeing the two of them uh, in in the booth, it was like oh, real real quarterback, real quarterback room up there. All right, boys. 14-10, Auburn beats Cal. A um, couple things right off the top. First, double eagle. If you don't know the concept of the double eagle, um, this is something that, that Justin Lee, our buddy, uh, friend of the program over at, OA, at the OA News, has, has tracked for a while. Double eagle is a, is a day where Auburn wins and Alabama loses. Last one of these, 2014. It's been a minute. And uh, that that day was the infamous Katy Perry game uh, in Oxford. Hugh Freeze, the head coach for Ole Miss in that one. Alabama beats 
or Alabama loses to Ole Miss, sorry, in, in Oxford. And that was also the 2014 game where Auburn just blew the doors off LSU. Um, it was 41-7 to at home. Very different set of circumstances to get to uh, to another double eagle uh, here. And I want to shout out someone else. Uh, I've been traveling this weekend with uh, our buddies, uh, Jason Caldwell and, and Nathan King of Auburn Undercover. And I'm going to steal a line from Jason. Um, he, he noted after the game, and I think he wrote it in one of his columns uh, that went up early Sunday morning. You know, Berkeley, for those of you who don't know your Bay Area geography, Berkeley you know, right next to Oakland, um, here here in the side, and he said, "All I could think about was Al Davis, just win, baby." And that's the thing for Auburn. You won. You won a game. Uh, I asked you, Freeze, after the game, "Hey, how much better is it to learn from a ugly, sloppy game like this on the offensive side? Defense play extremely well when you do it uh, after a win instead of a loss." And uh, he said, "You know." You do it after you get it after a win. You can really be brutally honest and um, not worry, not be worried that you're beating a, a team down after uh, after a loss. But man, a lot to get, lot to get to in this one. But Auburn won. Auburn won. And I know Cal's not a, uh, you know, a super powerful opponent. Been a minute that, since they've been in a bowl game. Uh, but you know, winning this game like this on the road doesn't usually happen. We've seen this kind of game and this kind of script before from Auburn. And they won it, and they won it away from home. Uh, were, I, fewest yards in a win away from Jordan Hare Stadium. I, I found this out today since the 2006 Cotton Bowl against Nebraska, which that was something the 06 team just did all the time. Um, football's definitely changed, you know, over the last 17 years. 06 Cotton Bowl, Nebraska's quarterback Zach Taylor, now the head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals. Auburn won wow. that game. Uh, the uh, so, so the 2017 team that we've mentioned a couple of times over the mm. last few months, uh, p- particularly because Peyton Thorne and Jarrett Stidham have very similar career numbers, uh, Stidham at Auburn, Peyton Thorne at Michigan State. Uh, the 2017 team had to face an offensive performance like this early in the season, right? Against and a much better team. Against a much better team on the road, but they had to go and, and they, you know, they had something of a meltdown offensively early in the year and they weren't able to do enough to win nevertheless and so they had to answer these questions while also coming to grips with an early season road loss this team pre nope can't can't you know look look itself in the mirror on offense and say everything is fine nothing needs to be evaluated and uh, reconsidered uh, but they are 2 and 0 and uh, that is, you know, that 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 helps the medicine go down from a less than stellar offensive performance. Painter, initial thoughts on Auburn's escape against Cal. Um, we will definitely talk the fourth quarter, that last drive where Auburn finally got it together on offense. Defense played awesome all, all the way through. But you, your take on this game, your general kind of initial reactions to uh, Auburn's four point win at Cal my broader takeaway is like if you do not get better you might be looking at something like six and six but i think something that we often forget uh, and i've been guilty of this is just how much improvement teams do as the year goes on i mean think about lsu i know i'm not saying auburn's going to go to the sec or, or represent the sec west this season but think about how bad they looked last year against florida state and how how improved they look by season's end I think this is a game where 
Auburn fans learned a lot about this team. And here's the thing. I think a lot of y'all who are listening to this podcast, probably most of y'all who are listening to this podcast, seem to, by the tweets and the comments that we get, seem to have a pretty realistic view on this season for Auburn. A six and a half win total heading into the year. You can kind of see where that, you know, see where this is. But I think this was just kind of a swift reminder that, like, hey, Auburn's got Auburn's got a long way to go. Auburn's got a long way to go. Um, this is not thirteen or seventeen or twenty-one or some of these reset years Auburn's had. You've taken steps back from that uh, because your recruiting and your development and your retention has been was so poor the last couple of years. Um, that you're playing from behind. And this is not the same Auburn team talent-wise that you're accustomed to seeing. And it's going to take recruiting and it's going to take um, time to to get up from that. So um, I don't think anybody out there had super sky-high expectations. Maybe a few of y'all did. This was a reality check. Now, it shouldn't be a cut it down, hey, you know, Auburn's not going to make a bowl game this year. Now, if they play like this on offense the rest of the year, yeah, it's going to be hard to win very, very many games. But I think this game right here was just a a, a lesson of like, man, this team's had back to back losing seasons. They've had rough off seasons in the in the recruiting department and roster management the last couple of years. And then the staff comes in and puts together a new team. There's a new way of doing things, uh, you know, on both sides of the ball and at least on the offensive side. It's it's just not clicking right now. That doesn't mean it won't ever click, and it doesn't even mean it's not going to click this season or even this month. But for Auburn, it's it's a reminder that when you go and and you need missed field goals and missed opportunities left and right from Cal to come out with a win like this, yeah, this is where you're at right now. Now, you can build from it. But it is a swift reminder that this is a rebuilding gig. This isn't a quick fix uh, at Auburn. We can get back to the offense because there's a lot to be sort of dissected. But I think we're doing a disservice to the reasons Auburn won, right? Well, like again, I and I brought it up. So I mean, you know, but but like let's 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 mention how Auburn actually won this game. Yeah, I was gonna say, I was gonna say, let's do it. Yeah, let's talk about the good for Auburn because there was some good. Obviously, when you win, there was some good. And then we'll talk about all the others. And and naturally, I think you start with the defense. This is the reason why you won that football game was Auburn's defense. Auburn's defense, you know, it, it's it's funny. And, and I tweeted this. I put it in the in the observations uh, this morning. The thing about Auburn in this game was that coming into it, it was like, oh, can Auburn's defense make enough plays? You know, offense should be able to move the ball. And then, boom, this game gets flipped on its head. It's what ha- I mean, that happens sometimes. It's college football. Things change from week to week. Every week is different. Every week takes a life of its own, especially when you've got 18 to 22-year-old Semi pros playing a, a weird game with a weird ball like that just that's just how how the how the course of, of football is college football especially um, defensively man Auburn made play after play after play after play right got handed terrible field position on several drives early came up with stops uh, there were missed field goals yes that, that cow kicker was. In a in an absolute nightmare scenario for him, I think Auburn did a really good job of jumping the jumping the snap on those, and like it looked like they were close from my vantage point that they were going to block them a few times, and I'm sure that affected it as well. Um, I'm sure that that affected the, the the kicker as well. 
But here's the stat, man. This this game, we talked about it all last season when Auburn was struggling. Uh and, and it's still true. The difference the difference is this game is about finishing drives. That is what the sport is about. Cal had eight drives in this game where they took a snap inside the Auburn 40. They came away with 10 points. Auburn had two drives where they took a snap inside the Cal 40. They came away with 14 points in this one. That's 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 your difference in the game. As bad as Auburn's offense looked, and we'll get into all that, they finished their drives, and Auburn's defense did a really good job of making sure Cal had, I mean, had had about as tough a time as possible at finishing their own drives, and that's why they came out with a win. It's it's fortune, yes, good breaks, yes, all that. This defense played lights out on top of it, though. There's there's the old um the old football adage about finishing a drive. You want to finish every drive with a kick, you know, whether it's a punt or a field goal or an extra point. You know that the you know you're you're striving to to get the special teams on the field at the end of a drive. I think Auburn only only finished about half their drives last night with a kick, and, and so to uh, to to be able, like you said, the field positioning was was vile. That's one of the reasons why this performance. I mean, let's just get it out of the way, right? Eugene Asante, a star-making performance for a defensive player who was not on the radar last year for a variety of reasons uh, mm-hmm. and has really taken to a second chance, a second year, a new coaching staff. The, the development of Asante and Jay Fair, I think, and to a degree, Donovan Kaufman, Donovan is, Kaufman. Is, yeah. is really impressive because these are guys who were uh, were holdovers from last year and actually and, and were recruited by the by the previous coaching staff. And they've taken huge step forwards in for all three of them their second year with the program. Fair, Asante, and and Kaufman. We talk about fair later, but like with with Asante, um, I mean it, it felt like every time there was a play to be made, he was e- either the one with initial contact or he he was around the ball. And that that's not to sell anyone else short. Marcus Harris had a huge night last night. Larry Nixon was 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 all over the field. Well, I, injury too. I, there, there's, I think, someone making his uh, his his debut is going to be talked about a little bit, you know, from from uh, from Justin. Uh, mm-hmm. But there, there's uh, no to to see the individual and and in the secondary too. Uh, there were there were multiple huge performances besides just Kaufman. But yeah, the way various defensive players stepped up last night, I think especially Asante, he's going to be the one people key on. But that that was that that was reassuring to see. At, you know, amid the offensive performance, I mean, it's easy to make this comparison, but uh, you know, when you have a performance like that from a linebacker and you see his story and his journey, I just kept thinking about Deshaun Davis. Sean Davis needed a new staff and a fresh start, and 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 played well when he got this his opportunity. You're seeing that now with Eugene Asante. Uh, he was all over the place, man, and. You know, Asante might not have been a household name coming in this year. He might not have the perfect technique on every play, but the dude bust his tail every snap, and it, he was all over the place. There was the drive where it looked like Cal in the fourth quarter was about to, uh, you know, hey, they're going to go up by two scores potentially. They're they're walking down the field. They get in the red zone, and then on second and ten, Asante hurries the quarterback. And completion, third down, Sante blitzes again, sack. You know, and, and then Cal misses another field goal. 
It's all over the place. It, he was all over the place in this game. And yeah, last last year, after transferring to Auburn, Eugene Asante had some stuff on the field and off the field affect him. Um, you know, off the field uh, had 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 some had some personal stuff that that took that had him take some time away from the team. He had some injuries as well that he dealt with. But as he reminded everybody last night, he played on the scout team last year. He played in a handful. He played one game on defense, handful of special team snaps. Then he wasn't a factor for the rest of the year. And now, where would Auburn be without him? Especially with Austin Keys hurt. You know, Larry Nixon gets banged up in this game. You still, I think Cam Riley is one of those guys that I think you look, just eyeball on it. I think they're still trying to figure out the best way to use him in this defense. Um, but man, I mean, Asante, you know, heart and soul of this defense, and you know, Mister Let's Work, the guy who has been. Uh, the vocal dude on that side of the ball really since his staff took over. And, you know, game number two of, of the season, he comes through with an MVP type of performance. And again, it's just, it goes to show that even when you're a fifth year guy or you're, you're old, you're getting old in your collegiate career, you're not a finished product. You can still, <laughs> you can still get better. You can still improve. You can still develop. Um, as time goes on, and I mean Asante, you can't say a good enough good things about him. Huge reason why Auburn, you know, came out with the victory. Donovan Kaufman as well, kind of looked like he might have knocked himself out of the game at the at, at the end. They were checking him for a concussion, but another strip uh, from him. Dude's physical, violent, and that, I think that's the thing about Kaufman is I think in this scheme, he's going to have the freedom and he's going to have the flexibility where it's like, Hey, it might not be perfect in coverage all the time for him. It might not be, you know, he might not make every single play and none of these guys are the college football players, but he's so fast and he plays so hard and he hits so hard and he's so physical at that, at that spot, this defense for Ron Roberts, the amount of blitzing and the amount of trust they use that star, that nickel position uh, to, to, to make plays. It's a perfect fit for him. And so you're seeing some new life there. wasn't like he was not playing last year for Auburn, but I, I think this this scheme is just so much better for him. And, and now we've seen a back to back games for both of these guys that you know this has been this has been a a really good change for them. The third and ten sack that pushed Cal uh, the the field goal attempt. I think that was the mm-hmm. third to last drive. Asante gets a sack mm-hmm. on, on third down. Cal misses the field goal, which was which was uh, longer because. Of that sack, it's a different game if Auburn gets the ball back and it's ten, it's ten ten instead of instead of ten seven. That, or I'm sorry, if it's uh, 13, 13, thir- 13 seven. yeah, thirteen uh, seven instead of uh, instead of ten seven. Auburn still got the touchdown, but Cal, you know, you could really tell the missed field goals were were letting the air out of the balloon uh, for California. Justin, you're a big middle eight guy. The uh, mm-hmm. uh, what can you say about the way Auburn stood tall? in the final drive for Cal of the first half and Cal's first drive of the second half. Cause that's a, that's an opportunity for teams and, and Auburn's defense was able to, to get a stop both times. Yeah. You know how many plays Auburn had in the middle eight on offense? You know, I guess either of y'all want to guess I'm going to go low. Should I go prices? Right. Should I say zero? You want to say zero painter? What do you want to go with uh, two, $1. Uh, one, they had one. Um, they had a no play and an interception. And I think Cal ran twenty something plays there. 
and didn't get anything out of it. Um, so it was a very important stretch of the game, and they stood on their heads and and made play after play for for Auburn. Um, great, great game. I mean, they just came up time and time again. And that was something the defense afterwards, you know, Freeze talked about it. He said, you didn't have any kind of like, hey, offense, get it together, you knuckleheads, like on, on the sidelines, like, you know, any, any – um, hostility or frustration. Even it was just more of like, "Hey, we gotta get another stop. We can stop these guys. We we feel like we can do it. Let's go. Let's go do it." Um, that starts with a run defense that was a lot better than expected in this game. Uh, Jay Knott. This is this is a stat that I was really shocked to to find uh, after the game. But if you look at Jay Knott's performance, you know all the big plays left and right that he made. He had 20 carries for 78 yards, so that is less than four yards a carry, which is huge. Um, he had just two runs of 10 or more yards, and guys, he only had four runs of more than five yards. Auburn stopped him, bottled him up, kept him from truly getting loose on several occasions in this or throughout the game, I should say. And there was only several, only a few occasions where they were able to. You know, Ott was able to get loose. Uh, Ifonze got a couple as well. Sam Jackson, I know he was playing with it through an injury, didn't start this game, but the Cal quarterback hardly had anything going for him in the ground game. I think he had one 10 yard run that, that, that fourth down where Auburn didn't look like they were getting good alignment there, didn't spy him. And, 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 you know, he, he made the play. He's really, really fast. Dude's really fast. But when you can bottle that, that run game up, um, it just makes everything so different. And then Cal um, didn't convert a third and long all game. Auburn converted the converted one. It ended up being the biggest play of the game uh, in terms of you know win probability. But that secondary, no Nehemiah Pritchett. They went after Kay and Lee. Didn't get a whole lot on him. Um, you saw some big plays happen uh, there for sure. Um, you know. Hail Mary picked off, you know, uh, at the end of the first half. But the end of the game, DJ James makes a play. And I was talking to Nathan about this, Nathan King about this uh, last night on the way back to the hotel. was like, Cal started hitting some plays, and they weren't chunk. I mean, I think their longest pass play was like 15 yards or something like that. They started hitting some, they started hitting some plays downfield, and it just felt like on that last drive where Auburn had to make that stand, DJ James and those DJ James just looked like an NFL cornerback again, and that was just better than what Cal had. And so, one of the few spots on the field where you feel like Auburn has, you know, a clear had a clear talent advantage, and then and then played up to it. Secondary played exceptionally. Um, you know, Cal's passing game, less than five yards in attempt, less than sixty percent completion percentage. That's that's ideal, especially in, a, in an offense that's going to spread the field and try to get get the ball out of their quarterback's hands quick. And I thought Jackson did a good job of that, but Auburn just did a better job of of corralling uh, guys after the catch and and also getting after them throughout the game. Watching the Cal North Texas game, North Texas's tackling was was just impossibly bad, and Cal seemed like a team where if if you yeah. if you weren't disciplined in your tackling and, and you weren't able to get guys. You know, one on one, you could be in for a long day uh, against Cal and, and Auburn's tackling, not just on the Ott carries, as, as you mentioned, but so many of Cal's passes were you, you dump it off to somebody hoping that they're going to make their guy miss, break a tackle, and turn a short pass 
into a long pass. I mean, Cal's averages through the air are, you know, they're evident of a short passing game that took some shots downfield that weren't there, except for the the first one. You know, they 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 hit on mm-hmm. on, on their first attempt, and we probably should mention Auburn's first drive as well because that was a, uh, you know, and not no one's no one's doing anything wrong, but you know that was that was a dodged bullet. Uh, for uh for Auburn to uh, oh, yeah. uh to to not to not cough up a a a fumble returned for a touchdown on that on on their first possession of the football game but but no for for Cal to uh for for, for Auburn to be able to bottle up Cal and and tackle the way they did uh that it, it's and Auburn had some tackling issues of their own on the on the first drive against UMass last week so that was something of a concern especially without Austin Keys in the fold and Auburn was still able to really answer that challenge. They answered the bell and they did it on the road against a team with an offense that's sort of built to, uh, to break tackles and turn short stuff in, into longer stuff. Breach said it after the game quote, all the credit goes to that side of the ball tonight. That's straight up. I mean, you know, your offense did make enough plays late to win. And we'll talk about that here shortly, but I mean, painter, we have watched, and talked about and dissected so many games over the years where Auburn played this insane defense and then just got let down by the final score. Again, Cal is not an SEC caliber opponent. Auburn is not where Auburn usually is in terms of talent level. Okay. But um, to actually win one of these, I think has got to be a lift for that side of the ball. Cause there's some guys I talked to Marcus Harris about that last night after the game. And he, like, like Dan said, he had, he had a really good game. Um, but that's got to be just psychologically just kind of a lift for the, that side where it's like, Oh, we finally got rewarded with a W for that. And then, you know, a lot of these guys are new and, and, and the coaching staff is new as well. But I think for some of the holders, some of the veterans on this team, guys who are making plays last night, Got to feel good looking across there and saying, "Hey, we had to bail the offense out over and over again, but we did it and we won." And 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 you're two and zero instead of one and one. Even if you are feeling very pessimistic after watching that game, and again, I think it's too early to tell because teams tend to do so much improving. There is something to be said for simply hanging around. And if Auburn can do that, some in some games this mm-hmm. year, even if it's ugly, even if it takes a little bit of good fortune. Um, just hanging around can win you some games. I know that's not exactly uh, the cheeriest of outlooks, but at the same time, like we kind of knew going into this year that that this is going to be, I think, a bit of a roller coaster. On the point about Auburn actually winning one of these games, I mean, Auburn's defense, getting back to that 2017 Clemson game, like Auburn's defense played extremely well in that game, but it, but it just it, you know wasn't enough on offense and something else about, about that game uh, that's remarkable. Now that I look back, uh, Auburn only had 117 total yards at Clemson and 17, but they had 13 first downs, which was more than Auburn had last <laughs> night. Like the thought that you, you had more first downs in that game than you did as an offense uh, last night is, uh, is, is pretty incredible, but no. And, and you mentioned the alignment uh, was, that was something Hugh freeze talked about quite a bit. Yeah. Um, after the first game, did you did you get the sense that he was more pleased with their ability to oh, yeah. get ready? And did did anyone talk of anything anything that changed or any, anything they did to to try to improve that this week? 
No, I think it was just more guys being in the right position, you know, running the play call smoother and, and, and correctly being where they needed to be. There were a few plays. Yeah, I mentioned that Sam Jackson one. I don't know what happens there. I'm not a defense coordinator. I don't know the call on those plays. But, you know, having the quarterback kind of escape like that on fourth down was was pretty rough. Um, there were a few where they gave up some plays, but, man, they made – they more than made up with it for it and play after play after play. I uh, also mentioned this again, this team was banged up. Um, we saw again, no, no Pritchett, some other guys not playing you know, heavy minutes, Larry Nixon getting knocked out, um, you know, for a stretch in this game. Um, Jalen McLeod, uh, who had four pressures, uh, on, on, on Saturday, according to PFF, despite the fact that he didn't play a full, you know, slate of, of of action in this one made a big fourth down stop. Uh, made a made a really big play uh, there in the second half for Auburn. It's just guys came up time and time again, and and we, this goes back to Ron Roberts. He wanted to have you know that number, that magic number of dudes he could trust, and they needed those guys in this game. wasn't perfect. There were there were players and and units and opportunities that went by the wayside for Auburn on defense, but the vast majority. Did what they were supposed to, made the plays they needed to make, and they won. And yes, um, Cal missing all those field goals were a huge reason why Auburn won that game. But Dan, you mentioned this just a second ago. Auburn's defense put them in position, pushing them back into those range, including one point where they the the holding call on the on the field goal, which is rare. Um, that was a made field goal, I believe. And fifty one fifty one yarder, poor guy. He, Kid hit, kid hit it, and then they get knocked out of range on it um, because of a holding call. I, you have to make those position those plays, and and again, there's a lot of those guys that play good defense min- defense minutes. were on special teams, and I just keep going back to it, the fact that it, from my vantage point, it kept looking like Auburn was going to get one of those field goals at some point. And, and you would think that a kicker like that that had to get into his head head some and and maybe affect his accuracy on the on those field goals. I want to talk about the secondary more before we move on to the offense. Sure, uh, but what, one one thing though on on alignment, uh, we had former Auburn defensive line coach and barbecue pit boss Don Dunn on the drive uh, this past Friday, and uh, Don Dunn was actually the defensive line coach the last time Auburn played a regular season game in the state of California, two thousand two USC. One of several people who were part of the Auburn program in a significant way in 2002 and went to the uh went, went to the game this weekend uh, in a in a different role you think about Jason and Cadillac and and other guys that were there on the field in 02 and and what they're doing now Jason's been great by the way uh with the uh but but any, anyways Don Dunn said that uh the the key to in his mind the number one thing you do week to week to fix an alignment problem on defense is you simplify what the defense is doing. And you you, you maybe reduce the number of calls or you, you try to you try to keep it as, as simple as possible. I wonder if simplification is going to be the norm across college football with the number of players that are joining new teams and especially early in the season, how many guys are playing their first game together as a team maybe you need to cut back on the size of the playbook maybe we're going back to tech mobile right and just you know what eight eight plays you run the to the right or to the left no but but i I do think that my my guess would be and and i'd I'd be interested to know when the you know if 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 we if we ever get an i I guess hugh freeze could tell us more about it on monday but yeah how how the defense was able to 
fix that problem in a week, especially against a Cal team that was trying to go really fast at time and, and, and ended up running about 80 plays last night. I mean, it's, it's, it was a real just just a real remarkable thing for the uh, for the defense to do. Cal's uh, offense, by the way, finished with fewer yards per play than Auburn. So this dreadful Auburn offensive performance, and it was it was really bad for the vast majority of it. They even still got more than what Cal got on offense, and that's that's remarkable. That it really, really is. It it tells it tells a story on two different sides, offensively. Yeah. Oh well, off- J- J- Jalen Jalen Simpson, just real quick, I, I didn't mention the secondary. Mm-hmm. Uh, J- Jalen Simpson, the the, the interceptions, a, a huge game uh, for for Jalen, and then uh, DJ James, who had had a frustrating game. Right, he, he's able to get that interception at the end. It did. Uh, uh, what was what was the talk about how the secondary played last night after the game, Justin? Or what 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 did you see? Uh, just a lot of just guys doing their doing their jobs and making sure they they you know there were times where Auburn had to put them on islands out there. Kane Lee got on the island a few times and had to you know just play good coverage. I thought DJ James, like I said earlier, just stepped up down the stretch and looked like an NFL corner. And then you need Nehemiah Pritchett back. I think Nehemiah Pritchett dressed out, went through it. Probably it looked like he was just a late scratch. Didn't feel like didn't feel like he was going to be able to go. And so he, you know, got out of his pads after after warmups and and returned to the field, um, you know, with with not dressed out. But man, I mean, this is when you limit a a Cal offense to hardly anything through the air or on the ground. But you know, Cal, <laughs> I'll say this: North Texas is an awful defense. They were an awful defense last year, and they're awful defense this year. Looks like Auburn's better than that, and that's no solace to anybody out there. But, um. You made it. You made enough plays, and that secondary get, should get a ton of credit. Uh, all right, let's jump over to offense. The, the good thing for the offense, um, capitalize on their on their on that turnover that forced by Donovan Kaufman. Um, the J Fair drag route on third down. Um, he's still he's got plenty of speed, guys, and and, and scored scored that touchdown. He's got and juice. That, yeah, and then that late drive, man. That late drive where Auburn had done nothing pretty much all game on offense, and then just needed like couldn't afford I didn't think to just let another opportunity go by the wayside and it didn't it didn't go well um there was uh a you know Jeremiah Cobb gets two runs for a first down Robbie Astrid almost throws a pick should have been a pick um Peyton Thorne gets sacked quickly on the next play it's third and 17 Auburn needs something and it's Rivaldo Fairweather and the ball wasn't great but he adjusted, came back to it, made a catch, flipped the field, 28-yard catch there. Um, Auburn gets sacked again. Jay Fair again, you know, gets close to a first down. Damari Austin gets a little swinger out. Um, Shane Hooks draws the DPI. Auburn gets in first and goal situation. Looks like they're going to play play uh, Robbie Ashford. They decide to call a timeout and think about it. Hugh Freeze on the sideline goes, Let's go heavy. We know we'll get one-on-one opportunities on the outside. I have seen Rivaldo Fairweather make enough plays going up and get it on fades. Let's do it. We've we've th- just and he tells Peyton Thorne, who had had a rough game, tells Peyton Thorne on the sidelines, just let him be able to make a play on it and he'll do it. And he did. Really good ball from Thorne. Rivaldo just I mean it's a it's it's a mossing, ladies and gentlemen. He went up and just and just snatched that dude's soul head, from him. A head tapping, Justin. It was a yes. head tapping. Got him. I mean, just absolutely got him uh, uh in the air. Um 
touchdown Auburn. They lead after all that. It's a drive where, again, Auburn played so poorly in this in this game on offense, and there's a plenty of reasons for it. But Rivaldo Fairweather makes a play one on one downfield to get Auburn in a position. They start winning some more of their battles uh, downfield. Thorne starts making some better throws, and they take advantage of it with that touchdown. Not throwing the ball to Rivaldo in week one in a game where they didn't really do a whole lot of passing, understandable. They got it to him in the second quarter a couple times, had a, had one of those plays got called back uh, where he had a good good uh, uh, catch. I think it was for double-digit yardage. But Valdo, playmaker, man, and 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 Hugh Freeze obviously has seen infinitely more amounts of practice than I have because he's seen all of it, and I've and, and I've seen just bits and pieces of some and and a lot of one in fall camp, but I'm with it, man. I mean, there were plenty of times where where I, I saw Rivaldo Fairweather go up and do that exact same thing, and it's a Cal secondary that doesn't really have the talent that you're going to see, uh, you know, in the SEC play. It was, just, I mean, he just. He dominated that that one matchup, and then and got up and made a play. So, um, you got to start building building the plane uh, with more with more Rivaldo Fairweather, um, especially man Auburn's receivers. They got it. They it's 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 just not it's just not going well right now. Guys aren't getting open. They're not on the same page. Only three catches from the from the receivers in this in this game. Some dudes just flat off out disappeared um, throughout the night. That's bad. It's rough, and it's it it that those are bad signs, worrying signs against a team like Cal for the future. But again, guys can get better, guys can improve, and right now, at least, you feel like from after this game that Rivaldo Fairweather can can go win you some of those things when it gets tough. Jay Fair, the only receiver on the team who caught more than one pass last night. Rivaldo and Damari also had more than one reception, but but that's I mean those guys aren't. Wide receivers, you're going to need more out of. I think, especially the the outside guys, the guys other than. I mean, we're we're seeing a ton of of fair and and Javarius on the field. <clears throat> I think there's the hope that you're going to get more from from some of the outside guys on Rivaldo. That the third and seventeen is the passing play of the season for Auburn thus far. Like that oh, that sure. conversion on Heck, it, it might go down as one of the biggest plays of the year, yeah. especially if Auburn can you know be, make a bowl and have a win in season. And Auburn, it is it is curious that Auburn and look, look converting converting a bunch of third longs is like winning money at a casino. Like I believe that you can do it, but that's a tough way to make a living, right? Like you don't want to like that's that's you know every to try to do that every week is is gonna yeah, be unless you're painter painter. We know you always we uh, you always hit big at the casinos, right? Always nothing but positives. You talking, talking about pie gal painter? My so, man, man gets everything comped. He owns gold club gold club at the uh at the at the casinos uh so that's a reference to something that happened before the the show started uh so, so uh, the yeah the rivaldo coming out party uh i i thought was i mean it that that's another you know what what is 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 it the start of something on offense or was it you sort better, of a you better hope it is yeah i think so too <laughs> here's the thing uh, passing game wise and, and the rotation of the quarterbacks didn't really seem to work. Now, Auburn in the second half, I asked Freeze about this. Auburn in the second half of this game had some plays, had some moments. Uh, they seemed to figure some things out in halftime. It, 
self-inflicted wounds, man. Holding, guys running the wrong way, getting the wrong side, just turnovers, like, that'll kill you. So I think Auburn did get better. If they weren't, they didn't become, you know, 2019 LSU out of the locker room. But, you know, they they did a really, really good job, I think, of trying to address some of their their needs. It just didn't work. It just didn't work. And And I do wonder, and this is – I don't want to get too far out of my element here um, because, again, I'm not a coach and I never will be. This RPO-heavy system that Auburn has, um, Peyton Thorne, you're not going to be perfect with your decision-making. Thorne made some tough decisions in this one, some wrong decisions, and Freeze talked about some of them. I do wonder if there's times where Auburn needs to scale back from that and – do some more straight runs or straight passes. And I haven't watched the film back to, to, to tell, you know, what, you know, the plays that were and the plays that weren't and, and what success rate was on that third and two throw that they had in the, in the first half where they go one-on-one and it was back shoulder when all you needed was two yards. Now in the heat of the moment, it's the right read probably for how the play was called. Auburn's running it like an RPO. The offensive lines are run blocking. Cal has more hats in the box than Auburn has has blockers. That's usually a signal to throw it. One on one coverage on the outside usually a signal to throw it. I think you do that when you're feeling better, a lot better about your about your arm. And and look, Thorne having confidence in his in his arm and confidence to make a play. You don't get that last drive that or that go ahead touchdown drive without that. But I do wonder if there's going to be some times here coming up because again, Thorne had to make an adjustment to this RPO. So that is, this is not what they were running at Michigan State. Um, he said it himself: a lot more RPOs in this offense. I'm not saying he's not capable of making those plays. I'm not saying he's not capable of making uh, getting better in it. I do wonder if Auburn. I, I do wonder if Auburn in, in some of those situations can be better served by making it more of a standard run and pass because LA and Auburn fans, I get it. You see Auburn run the ball up the middle for no gain. And you think, why are they calling the same play over and over again? It's like a lot of it's an RPO, a lot of it's a read. You can make the right read, and it, it just doesn't it doesn't work. It you know you you don't execute it correctly. Something something goes wrong. I, I just think in some of those situations, especially with Thorne making adjustment to this offense and developing, maybe maybe it goes maybe you go a little more traditional in the way and not as many RPOs or not. Maybe you just Maybe just stick to it and just say, "Hey, he'll he'll get better with it in time," which he's, you know, perfectly capable of doing. I think the the optimistic view of the Auburn offense would be that fumbles and failing to convert fourth and one, th- those are somewhat fluky occurrences. And so, if you can cut back on that and sustain drives, we can see something. Definitely fumbles. Uh, the 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 short yardage rushing performances i think you could definitely do a lot better auburn was over three in their power rushing opportunities is is the i think defenses or at least cal's defense felt very comfortable overplaying the run with robbie in the game yep and i don't think that's going to change unless unless the team feels more comfortable letting robbie throw and you mentioned the throw over i mean that that would have been a crushing interception and it and it hit the defender in the face mask yeah, no, I mean, they, they dodged a massive bullet there. And, like, I'm not sitting here – I'm not going to sit here and say Ashford's not capable of, of throwing the ball, but between the 20s, it just – it's not – click. the first two games, you just haven't seen it click between the 20s. Like, it's done in the red zone, 
and you know Auburn didn't have very many opportunities to get him him involved in the red zone. And when you know they ended up scoring with Thorne through the air, Thorne helping him lead on that drive. I'm not saying throw out Ashford. I'm not saying any of that. I do think though the red zone usage for him works a lot better. I do think Thorne's more established. Pass. He had a bad game. Like he was not throwing the ball well. There were a lot of inaccurate balls that he was he was throwing. Also think Auburn just not pushing the ball downfield. Like whether that is guys not getting open or the play calls not being there. Like that was when Cal was getting the ball out of Sam Jackson's hands quick. And again, like we just said, like Cal didn't get a ton going on 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 offense in this game. It felt like they were going vertical with it. Even the quick stuff was just pushing it downfield. And Auburn, it's just a ton of side to side. Not a ton, not, not a lot of creativity there. You end up coming up with enough at the end, but I mean, Freeze Freeze came out of that Freeze came out of that UMass game and had that coaches meeting and said, you know, he said like, "Hey guys, this ain't going to get it done." And I think there's a lot on defense that they pointed out in that game. It's going to feel the same way on offense in this one, and he plays a bigger role in the offense than he does with the defense. Uh, Freeze does, and so it, you know, he's he he. It's on him as well, and he's the head coach, and everything ultimately is on him. But man, they got to get, they got to get better at that. And whether it's play calling or execution, I think it's a combination of the two. Got to start pushing the ball downfield a, a little, a little bit more. And and I know the blocking wasn't perfect, the protection wasn't perfect throughout the game, but man, it just felt too much side to side, too much side to side for what Auburn needed to be doing in that game. On the Robbie Ashford front, too, if I think there's pressure to make a play when you're being used as the as the backup to to provide a spark. And so, Could be, you know, yeah. may, maybe you'd see more consistency through the air if he were playing on a, you know, on, on a more stable basis rather than being brought in sort of as the as the change of pace. Uh, but but no, just a uh, uh, yeah, because I because I think that's a. Yeah, you know, it's a valuable weapon for Auburn, but it's something, you know, avoiding predictability is key as for the answer as to how you push it downfield more like that is something they're going to have to try to figure out as a team because they've tried different offensive line combinations they've tried different receivers on the field uh but it's something they're going to have to uh if, if they want to back defenses off and keep the run game successful whoever's running the football uh and we should we should mention you know Jarquez hunter making his making his return uh yeah, but yeah. but with but with uh yeah, with, with with the passing game, straightening things out and figuring out how to how to improve production is is one of the keys before Auburn gets into conference play. Yeah, the the rotating the quarterbacks in and out, you know, it's always going to frustrate people and always frustrate fans. Take you back to the 2016 Clemson game. Yeah, there were it, substitutions were coming in late, plays were coming in late. Auburn just was it just was out of sync, out of sync. Was it clean? Um, that's on players. That's on coaches. That's on everybody involved. Um, and they got to fix that. They have to fix that because SEC play. I mean, you're going to play teams that will, you know, will not give you as many opportunities as Cal did. Um, speaking of Jarquez, yes, he's back. Did play. Did start. Got a good bit of carries. I, I wrote about this on Sunday morning. I, I think Auburn's still best served by a committee approach. This is not a knock on Jarquez Hunter. He was rusty as. As Freeze put it on on uh, on Saturday, you know, made some made some moves, made some decisions, you know, with the ball in his hands that, that weren't great. Had the fumble late that um, that gave Cal one more chance to potentially win the game. Tamari Austin, look, he got KO'd almost on that 
on, on that one fumble he had. That was that was a pretty rough scene. Um, Jeremiah Cobb, uh, three carries for him that counted, um, or and and like big plays for him, good runs, quality, successful runs for him. You're thinking it, about the reverse that got called back, right? Because that was right. one where he got to show off some of that explosiveness. He's got, he's just got a burst that's different, man. And I'm not calling Jarquez. Obviously, Jarquez was a big play back his first few years at Auburn. So has that potential. Damari's got it. It's a start. It, Jeremiah Cobb. It just looks different, and and just it just he passes the eye test in terms of his his burst. But I think Auburn is still best served by using a committee, um, because all three of them bring something different to the table, and I think, I think there's a real talent in that room. I think Jeremiah Cobb's got the potential to be the next guy, capital G guy from Auburn in the running back room. Not saying it can't be Austin. Not saying it. You know, Hunter could make me eat my words as well, and Austin could as well. But you know, Cobb's just a special player, and we know running back is a position where young guys can get on the field and contribute quickly. But yeah, I mean. No matter who's playing quarterback for you, you need you need to have that rush. Like Auburn's offensive line, Cam Stutz got banged up in this game. They didn't rotate nearly as as much. I think only seven guys played uh, in the in the uh, on the offensive line. Yeah, I mean I, Auburn fans, I get it. Like, yeah, be excited that 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 Hunter's back in in action and all that. But I did think this game was kind of a reminder of like Auburn's greatest strength in that running back room isn't just one player; it's it, it's its depth. Um, and uh, you need to be able to lean on that. I think this season, um, no matter what the rest of the offense ends up looking like, uh, and then, yeah, maybe get, get Petit the ball to his hands a little bit more often. Didn't play very many snaps at all in this game. One more point about the defense, since we're talking about the running backs anyway, I think maybe the single most impressive stand by the defense all game is to go out there after the Jarquez fumble at the end. When you mm-hmm. when you're in celebration mode, thinking it's run out the clock and, and this game is over, and to turn it over in that scenario, and have the defense have to get back out there and make a stop, and I believe isn't the isn't the the personal foul the first the first God, play of the such, resulting such a bad late hit call, it, and it's I think it's the collision with the Cal coach being so violent that prompted the the flag, and I guess by the letter of the law. You know you're supposed to let a player go when it when you're when you both are on the sideline uh, without you know sort of any any force or any you know but uh, yeah huge huge I mean turning uh, what you go from the 31 to the you go from the 31 15. to the 16 yeah Four, yeah and 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 Auburn stands tall after that um, there is a holding call on Cal that back, backs him up but then they stand tall got to throw it to the end zone you know DJ James makes makes a play and and, and ends it but. Yeah, this, you know, the fumbles again. Fumbles are got more of a function of luck than than anything else in football. But you got to get better with your ball security. Um, that's going to be something they're going to harp on a ton this week. Auburn didn't have very many penalties against UMass. Didn't have very many. He didn't have any turnovers against UMass. Game completely flips. Defense completely flips. It's just every week is different in college football. And I think if you're an optimistic Auburn fan. That can mean some good things for you. You get a game against Sanford coming up this week where you can figure some things out. Yeah, Sanford was higher rated in Sagarin, which combines FBS and FCS, was higher ranked than UMass was. So I'm not saying it's going to be a complete walk in the park. Um, I think give give Sanford some credit. They're they're a feistier FCS team than than most are playing. But 
you're going to get a situation, I think, where you're going to be able to correct some of this stuff and work on it, and then before you go play at Texas A&M and, and see what happens there, uh, it's a good opportunity. And again, like we said earlier in the show, doing it off of a win compared to doing it off of a loss, I think psychologically could be a huge, huge difference maker. It was ugly. If Auburn plays like that on offense moving forward, they're going to have a hard time beating anybody in, in the SEC. We all know that. Everybody sees that. The players and the coaches know that more than anybody else. But your defense did enough. You got enough good fortune. And you made enough plays. You made enough plays on offense down the stretch to come out with a win. It was ugly. It was sloppy. It was dumb at times. It was crazy. It was Auburn playing a Pac-12 after dark game. But you won. You won. And at this point, remember, this is a rebuild. This is not a standard Auburn football season this year. And I think it was a pretty good reminder of that. There are still good expectations. You still need to have a winning record. You still need to be better than you were last year. And then you recruit and hope the NIL money keeps flowing well and and and, and bringing dudes in and keep it and keep it rolling. Like that's that's what's going to build this program back up. But it's a lot easier to do the work and the fixing and the building after a win compared to uh, a loss. And I think that's I think that's that's going to be key. All right, Dan, and I'm sure we'll talk about this. You were at Alabama, Texas. I want to talk about a little bit of the the week two stuff that happened outside of Auburn and Cal, because um, I know Auburn fans were locked into that one. Uh, the double legal, like I said, is always is always a big deal. Um, but let's take care of some business real quick first and foremost, and then we will we will wrap up uh, with some with some fun stuff about the weekend. Hi. Um, if you like this podcast and want more of it, you should subscribe to auburnobserver.com. $6 a month or $60 a year. You get this free game recap podcast every Sunday during football season throughout the year. You get our premium episodes just for subscribers where we preview the upcoming game. Um, those come out on Thursday mornings now. Um, you only get that with a subscription. You get all of my writing as well, the newsletters, the analysis, um, had a great time in Berkeley. I'm sure I'll talk about it here shortly. A lot of Auburn fans. There were what there was one of you, and I still haven't identified you yet. Um, that uh, at Tiger Walk was like saw me and like made like like started yelling about the Observer and six dollars a month and like whoever you are, incredible stuff. Uh, you have already won September Employee of the Month. Sorry, Painter. Yeah, yell yell six dollars a month when you see Justin in public. People, I'd I actually would love for that to catch on. If, if uh, people if people saw Justin Ferguson in public, yelled six dollars a month at him. But yeah, six dollars a month, sixty dollars a year, folks. Uh, there are links in the description. There are buttons in the emails. Justin, you, you have to yell. You have to yell sixty dollars a year back at them. It's, it's kind of like, like a, yeah. It's like it's like, it's a, like, it's a like the Mike Man at the thing. beginning of the. Uh... Yeah. 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 Oh, that'll be. So, oh, that's the call and response. The new, the new observer secret handshake. Uh, a lot of y'all have been have been joining up. Continue to get new new subscribers rolling in. Thank you guys so much. Uh, friends of the program back next week. Painter, uh, y'all are gonna do something before SEC play begins. Uh, yeah, I think it made the most sense. Get a couple games under our belt. Kind of see what we're working with at that point in the season. And, and then obviously, as you say, ahead of some big games starting with Texas A&M. So we'll be, we we'll back Dave and Pablo after the Sanford game. 
Uh, you can also help us out uh, for no money, whether you are a subscriber or just a free listener to the to the show. Uh, and we we appreciate uh, those those of y'all who do that as well. Uh, Painter, tell them how they can help us out. Yeah, please rate, review, and uh, subscribe or follow. I guess it's really a follow button now. But yeah, rate, review, follow on your app of choice. We do appreciate it. Yeah, give us five stars. Say something nice about Dan and Painter, and and uh, we'll we'll get another backlog of reviews to read through. Um, still, still, uh, I heard from one of you, maybe two of you. Yeah, I think I heard from the second one about our reviews. Listen to last week's episode if you want our review contest. You get a you get a gift card to Homefield Apparel, homefieldapparel.com, the number one place to buy vintage collegiate apparel. Uh, we're talking the softest t-shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies, uh, quarter zips, um, crewnecks, uh, joggers, hats that money can buy uh, with the greatest Auburn logos you're going to find anywhere on them. You can also buy the official Auburn Observer t-shirt there. Just search Auburn Observer at Homefield Apparel and it'll point you in the right direction. You can get 50% off your first order at Homefield Apparel by using the promo code OBSERVER23 at checking out. A um, lot of cool stuff. Saw a lot of Homefield yesterday at Tiger Walk. Always awesome to see. Um, be cool. Where's wear some Homefield? Homefieldapparel.com. Thank you so much to the gang up in Indy for continuing to support what we've got going on down here. All right, gentlemen. Uh, Alabama... Texas, um, the Bay Area, anything? Th- was there anything else? Like, like Colorado won again. A and um, M. Yeah, giving up almost fifty with all that they had coming back on defense to Miami was not and a great. lot. Of, I know there was a special team touchdown in there, but still, a lot of the offense. I was able to watch a lot of that game before uh, Bama Texas, and yeah, a lot of the offense uh, at A and M was sort of playing catch up with Miami up several scores too. Like, so it was a, uh, yeah, a, a really surprising performance for a team that every, every loss turns the rest of the, uh, turns the pressure up, uh, for, for Jimbo and A&M this year. So now what they've got Auburn in, in two weeks and that game becomes more important now that it would not be A&M's first loss of the season. And they got Arkansas and Alabama right after that. So, uh, they they've got they've got some work to do uh, before uh, before they get going. What, what uh you want you want some you want some Bama Texas or yeah, yeah let, Bama. Let's just say Bama Texas. I mean, I did not think it was possible for some for someone to go in and beat Alabama like that, um, especially non conference. I mean, they'll you know the home games we've seen Bama lose recently. It's like only maybe the best offensive talent team ever assembled. Uh, you know, beating them in in nineteen. I it's I I. I remain just blown away really by um what Texas is able to do. I mean they're they're recruiting really well and and and, and doing a good job for sure, but it just kind of felt like okay, when are they going to actually kind of get over the hump? When are they going to truly be back? Quote unquote. Quinn years threw some balls that fell out of heaven uh in in this game that I, that I got to see. I and and Bama it's just the tone's weird. Last year was last year was odd, and and after the game where you hear Saban talking about like you know having the opportunity to coach at a place like Alabama or something, it's just it's weird. I'm not saying it's over. I'm not saying it's done. He could win more national titles there, but you know, let me be very clear: they could get it figured out and start and roll again. This was this wasn't an SEC loss yet. Um, if if it's over ooh. soon, 
if it's over soon, what an argument for Sark if he wants that job uh, to, to to pull off. <laughs> okay. What what a what a compelling argument Sark just made that he could be that he should be uh, the next guy. I'd uh, stay at Texas, man. If you can get it rolling at Texas, I'd stay at Texas. That's a fact. I don't want to be the guy yeah. after Saban. I don't want to yeah. be the guy after Saban. I'm sorry. It's, it's a lot that, of money, but it's I mean that no, you're you're right. I mean, it's a question of whether or not he would uh he, he would want it. I think that that upcoming episode of succession, uh, once once Nick Saban stands down and a bunch yeah. of different people are jockeying for that job. And I don't know if it's happening anytime soon. Uh, but you know, I, I thought last year that there were there were concerning things about Alabama that were concealed because of Bryce Young and Jameer Gibbs. Mm-hmm. And now Bryce Young and Jameer Gibbs are in the NFL. And Alabama has highly recruited players, but they haven't got guys that have shown it on the field the way Bryce and Jameer had before last season and throughout last season. And I, I don't know the the way Alabama and maybe maybe this is because Texas is one of the most talented teams in the country that that remains to be seen uh, over the over the rest of the year. But I mean, yeah, the way Alabama struggled on the offensive line. I think Saban, the first thing he talked about at halftime was that the receivers uh, weren't, weren't getting open in man coverage. Uh, the secondary Auburn's problem was, too. That's, that's also an Auburn problem. Uh, this, the secondary uh, was, uh, was struggling at times uh, with, uh, you know, which is not something you expect from a Nick Saban team. And, and yeah, like you said, like I, I'm trying to get out of the business of predicting what college quarterbacks are going to be good in the pros Feels oh, like yeah. feels like Quinn Ewers, uh, f- feels like Quinn Ewers has a lot of it. Like whatever whatever things, uh, you know, make you know uh, separate very good college quarterbacks from future NFL quarterbacks. I, I would say Quinn Ewers appears to have those those sorts of skills. Yeah, I, a rough day for the SEC yesterday. Um, yeah, I mean, there were performances that just didn't look any good. Um, even ones that they won in, I think, you know, stand out. Um, I'm not going to harp on Ole Miss too much for beating Tulane on the road. Tulane didn't have Michael Pratt. That played a part in it for sure. Um, Wake Forest beats Vandy. Georgia, they're fine. I, I don't care how many – they didn't look good in the first quarter against Ball State. I don't care. Um, but, yeah, Miami beating A&M like they did. A Kent State team that got absolutely flattened by UCF uh, last week um, hung in there with Arkansas for a long time uh, on Saturday. Uh, Tennessee slowed out of the gates against Austin P. Only won by 17. That was 13-6 at the half, I think, that Tennessee game. Yeah, finished 30-13. to Missouri needing to hold on, uh, I believe, to beat Middle Tennessee. Or, uh, you know what, I might have gotten that one mixed up. Let me look at the... No, Missouri played Middle. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I was just saying, like, hold on. I, I think, I think Missouri that game, had to. That game was close in the fourth. Yeah, they had to. Yeah, they had to hold, they had to hold on. Yep, they did. They did have to hold on. They, they were up by thirteen in the fourth, and only ended up winning by four. Um, but then the rest. Um, I mean, state. It's, you beat. You beat anybody power five wise. I guess it's like Auburn's going to feel this kind of same way. Different, different set of circumstances, of course. Mississippi State actually beating a Pac twelve team. Which was uh, hard for everyone to do until la- late last night. Um, you know, Furman scored twenty-one on South Carolina. That's not great. Um, couple not of what we want. A couple of David Pascal-esque stats I came across. I think ESPN, or yeah, I think it was ESPN on the broadcast had 
That's the first time Nick Saban has ever lost by 10 or more as uh, the coach of the home team in his college football career. He, that That is his first. I think that was Bama's first loss by more than 10 at home or 10 or more at home since it was like 06. Bama's first regular season out of conference loss since Louisiana Monroe in Saban's first year as the hey. uh, as as the coach, which was the same day as the blackout. Auburn, Georgia. I watched hey, the, uh, Bama, Bama Monroe from. Not very many opportunities, I know. Uh, har- you know, hardly any. I think there were a lot of neutral sides games in there. But uh, this was Auburn's first road non-conference win since Kansas State in fourteen. <laughs> like this was, it's kind of kind of weird to think about that. True, true road game, right? Because they beat the yeah. the Pac-12 true teams road game. in the true road in the NFL game. stadium. Yes, yes, By yes. the way, I may have had that. Bama might have lost to Mississippi State the day of the blackout. That might not have been the day of the Monroe game. Now that I, I think about it, no seven. But yeah, Bama's first loss. And then what was the stat? I think the AP had it for the Auburn game. Where it was, it was the first time there were three offensive numbers, and it was the first time uh, anybody since Troy in 01 had won oh, again. I don't know that I, one. Okay, so I think it's it was the first time in the bowl subdivision that a team had 230 total yards or fewer, four turnovers or more, and 12 or fewer first downs. It was the first time a team had those three things in a bowl subdivision game and won since I think Troy in like 2000 or 2001, but it's Bill, over, over 20 years. Bill Barnwell had the tweet. ESPN's Bill Barnwell had the tweet from 2018 to 2022. So the last five seasons, college teams who turned the ball over four times and rec- failed to record 15 first downs in a game went one in 65. Auburn made it two in 65. Like they, uh, they got the second one. I, it's just, I mean, I'm sure there might've been more losses since then. Um, now that I think about it, but, Win number I'm not, two. I'm not sure. Un, <laughs> unbelievable that that Auburn came out with a win after looking like that. But again, though, as we go back and say that, just win, just win, baby. Like that's the that's the motto. Uh, whether you're here, whether here you're in, the in there, whether you're in the press box, the open air press box in Berkeley. Oh, I was, I had a blast. Oh my god, it felt so good. Or even or even a, though it was chilly, a little chilly in the fourth quarter in that game. Whether you're in an open air press box in Berkeley or a sushi bar in South Tuscaloosa watching the second half of the game or the undisclosed location where where Painter was. Yeah, just just win is the uh is, is Painter, the, so Painter, what, what you yeah, sit Painter, you sent me photos of you during the Alabama Texas game. You were standing up during that during the second half of Alabama Texas. I can't imagine what you were looking like in the in the in the late hours of Auburn Cal. You know, I, I did sort of power down at halftime. I had to I had to uh, go horizontal um, for the second half. I just did not have the stamina. Painter went into gravity mode for the uh, for for the second half of the of, of, of the Auburn. Uh, uh, it it did. I, I don't think it's a, a one for one, but I I do think that the struggles that uh, Alabama had offensively somewhat reminded me of of a struggling Gus Miles on offense. We've got all these good athletes on the field, and it feels like. You know, you're on the precipice of, of maybe getting points, but you're not very confident. Um, and you're hanging around in this game that it feels like you should be down by 14 points, but instead you're down by like four, or even you oddly enough found yourself briefly uh holding on to a lead. Like it I think you're right, Ferg. It's just you look at Saban and, and how his tone and messaging seems so different from any other season he's been the coach, and then you look at all these question marks they have especially at quarterback and wide receiver where they've been so talented over the last few seasons. And it's hard not to start being like, is, 
is it time to have the conversation? But no one wants to do it because it's like, uh, have that conversation at your own risk. And, and I will yeah, say, there I a mean, no, no SEC team, as you pointed out, has looked good to this point, which means that Alabama probably doesn't have to be its usual self to win the division. Uh, uh, Bobani Jones had, I saw this Bobani Jones tweet yesterday where it was like, he was like, wow, like, you know, Al- Saban will really test Alabama fans if, you know, if, if they don't do well this year, it's like, yeah, maybe you have the conversation that it's time to time to hang it up and, and, you know, maybe so, okay, this he's coming towards the end, but the man's greatest, the greatest college football coach to ever do it. I mean, he's got, already got a statue for crying out loud. Let's, let's not act like they're going to run him out of town. I mean, that's, that's ridiculous, but you know, but, uh, but I would point out that when you, when you win the way Alabama has won, for the oh, last... they're high expectations and people yeah. are frustrated. They and, and, absolutely. I think that's a fan base that and and having having been having experienced some of it yesterday, that's a fan base that does. I mean, when if if Alabama corrects course and starts losing a little bit more than they used to, I wonder how that fan base will 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 take to it because of the win loss record over the last decade. Uh, you know that that gets you used to a certain standard. And that standard is, I mean, I I would think impossible to maintain, you know, for for a for a long time. Except that Nick Saban's been able to do it, and you just wonder how long he's going to be able to continue to do it, and what the reaction will be the the moment the the roller coaster starts to go down. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know what that's going up looking like because it uh it's. It's interesting. It's interesting. I think Alabama and Clemson are both in kind of spots right now where they're fading, and like it's hard to kind of put a finger on what the reason is. Um, you know, uh, but it just is kind of slipping, and, and things are cyclical. And uh, Alabama's cycle was long and painful for all you Auburn fans out there, and Georgia's is looking the same way right now. Uh, but you know, things don't last forever in this game. And uh, shout out to Texas for um, proving a lot of folks wrong. A lot of doubters. I didn't think they had it. I didn't think they had a shot at it um, in, in this one. I, th- I thought it would be a good competitive game. But again, Painter, we were texting during the game. It was like if I, I even said it at one point, it's like Bama's going to win this game because Texas can't, can't take advantage of any of these opportunities. Yeah, I mean, it, it felt that way for a time. Like, like I said, it felt like uh, when I looked at the scoreboard at one point, it should be like you know twenty-one to three, and instead it was like thirteen to nine. And that's the kind of game where you look at Nick Saban and it's like, oh yeah, you know, Nick Saban running the ball and playing effective defense in a sloppy, but uh, you know, in a sloppy game at home, that that's something that I think would have to be in the back of your mind as a Texas fan that would make you nervous. But yours, man, he had some fun throws in that game. He he wasn't perfect. He had some misses, but when he was on, oh, it looked good. Quarterback talent, <laughs> you know, dude was one of the best recruits that uh, you period. Alabama doesn't have one of those right now. And it's interesting to see kind of how that's going to affect him moving forward. I feel bad for Milrow because I think he's going to take a lot of the criticism and he wasn't the only reason Alabama lost. But at sure. the same time, a couple of those interceptions were on him and uh, in a way where it's like uh, the quarterback of a great team isn't throwing that pass. So what and he's got the added pressure of a, a handpicked guy that the offensive coordinator had at Notre Dame is sort of looming as an option if he can't maintain. They've also got Simpson. I mean, it's a it's a it's a full room. Uh, but yeah, Milrose, uh, you know, the next couple games, pressure's on. It's gonna be a fun year. I think it'd be interesting to see what 
football looks like, college football looks, looks like big picture with the dynasties and the elites in this new format that's about to come up uh, with the expanded playoff and conference league realignment. But we're shaping up to have a have a really weird one uh, this year. Penn State, top four in SP+. Plus. I saw on, uh, on Sunday morning from Bill. Uh, from Bill C at ESPN, deserved man. They they look they look like one of the best teams in the country so far this year. Uh, Florida State definitely has that to them uh, as well. Um, yeah, I mean this is a uh, shaping up to be a pretty fun year. And again for Auburn, it is again kind of showing you what the elites are, kind of where they're at. And when you struggle like this on offense in a win over a Cal team that hasn't made a bowl game. Um, the last few years that you needed some good fortune to get to get the win as well. It shows you what you have left to go and what, like what the build really looks like. And for some Auburn fans, I think this was kind of a, a reality check for others. It was kind of confirmation of what they were feeling uh, about where this program is at the moment, but this it's the reality of the situation. The good news for Auburn is you're doing it two and O instead of one and one. And uh, you get an FCS week coming up here, a homecoming in week three to get right. To, to, to get some things right before you hit SEC play because that is a brutal slate. I don't, I don't care what the rest of the league's looking like right now. It's a brutal slate coming up for Auburn, and uh, they're going to they're gonna have to be in survival mode pretty quickly. All right. I need to go catch a plane here in a little bit. Thank you guys so much for listening. We, we will have, again, some sort of newsletter on Monday and Tuesday this week. I'll try to do a film room or film room adjacent type of piece this week to make it up for you guys. For sure, just did not have time or just because of the kickoff and the travel and all that this weekend to get the full scope of film room in this weekend uh, for Monday. Uh, but we will be back uh, with our premium podcast previewing uh, the the Sanford game. I'm sure there'll be a lot of leftover from, from this game as well on Thursday. And uh, we'll get into some other fun stuff. Mailbag on Friday, uh, 2013, uh, 13 for 13 story on Thursday as well. Plenty of stuff throughout the week. AuburnObserver.com, sign up there, get it all, and uh, that'll do it for me. Painter, final thoughts. Dan, did we have anything tasty in Tuscaloosa? I did enjoy. I did enjoy some barbecue. I will say, I'm not 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 to. Uh, I did not go to the, the the trade. I've been to Dreamland before, and it's and it's fine. But no, I was able to uh, some some tailgate barbecue that that really uh, really hit the spot. Painter, what's your like? What's your dream barbecue plate looking like? I don't have a great answer for that. I feel very embarrassed to admit that, but I, I don't a, have a, an answer a, off the hip. A, a favored protein, a couple of sides. Like one what, thing I, I mean, can tell you is that I don't care for baked beans all that much. You talk about a filler yeah. side for me. It just does not. I understand for some people it's necessary with certain meals, but that, that's one I could do without. Painter, you're absolutely right. I'm, I'm I'm there with you, Justin. Where are you? Where Where are you on this issue? Baked beans are fine. I mean, I'll eat them, but I'm not crazy about them. I'll say this. My go-to if if I'm trying to like, hey, what are you good at with a with a barbecue place? I'm not a brisket person as much. I did have some brisket in Oakland this weekend at a at a sports bar on some nachos. Very good stuff. Um, I was pleasantly surprised with that. Um, my favorite thing to get uh, to try to test how good you are at smoking is if you're a place that can give me two meats at a time and you can give me ribs and wings. Give me give me some smoked pork and some smoked chicken. What you can do with the dry rub, what you can do with the little saucier options, that that to me shows like the full scope of what you're what you're able to to offer me. So, um, you know, hit, hit me hit me up with that with that pairing.